This is a Legal Talk Network special, a conversation with Bill Gates Sr. Hear his insight into Warren Buffett's historic gift of billions to the Gates Foundation, his son's retirement from Microsoft, his career as a lawyer, and a special message to young lawyers. Join Legal Talk Network's executive producer, Luann Reed, as she talks one-on-one with Bill Gates Sr. at the Gates Foundation in Seattle. First of all, Mr. Gates, let me thank you sincerely for joining us today, sharing this time for us. There are a lot of different topics that we want to talk about, primarily you and the scholarship um, program. However, um, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you about the extraordinary recent events um, that are affecting the Gates Foundation. Can you give me a little perspective about uh, your son's recent announcement, and then? but let's first talk about Warren Buffett's um, sure. gift. Well, it is extraordinary is, uh, is almost an adequate word. <laughs> it is, it is uh, unique uh, that uh, somebody would uh, decide to dispose of their fortune, particularly when it's one of the largest fortunes in the world in this particular way. Uh, it, it's something that apparently uh, Warren and Bill and Melinda have been discussing for a while, and by that I mean probably a matter of months, not, certainly not of years. And it only came to our attention here at the foundation you know, a couple of months or thereabouts ago. And uh, needless to say, it, uh, <laughs> it's having an enormous impact. We're, you know, as everybody knows who has heard anything about it, it basically doubles the output of the foundation. So uh, it's going to have really very, very large implications for what we're doing here, how many of us there are things of that kind. So it's, uh, it makes the future uh, quite exhilarating. As it grows, as the foundation grows, and you're very instrumental in it, how do you keep it as personal as it has been? Well, part of that is structural. Uh, you know, that, that there are just two trustees who are Bill and Melinda, so the basic decisions are, are, are made by them. Now, uh, the probability is that uh, Warren Buffett will also become a, a trustee, so then there will be three, but uh, knowing uh, his <laughs> efficiency and insistence on moving ahead, I don't think that's going to uh, have any uh, bureaucratic implications uh, for the foundation. Uh, I think we'll still try to uh, maintain something of a reputation, I guess, we've developed for uh, being responsive and, and reasonably prompt. And we're not 100% on that, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> but uh, we, do, we do pretty well. And I, I'm, I, I would predict that uh, that isn't going to, uh, that isn't going to go away, that we'll, we'll still be pretty prompt and efficient in responding to people and in, and in working with people. We'll have we will have more people, and we will have, as a result of that, we'll have more expertise, and it's conceivable that we'll end up uh, like some large organizations where it's hard to, to get things done. But uh, I will say that if that does occur, it'll be uh, in spite of tremendous efforts not to let it happen. We're, we try very hard to, to be... Uh, uh, 
prompt, functional, get things done, move ahead. Let me ask you a question about uh, when your son announced his retirement. Um, what did you think about that? Uh, well, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. You know, he's been uh, he's been you know completely de devoted to uh, the Microsoft effort for more than. 30 years, basically, which is a long time for even a long career or something. So uh, it's quite normal, and it seems to me uh, healthy to uh, want to have a change in emphasis in your life. So I, I'm, I'm delighted with it, and I, I think it's going to be, it isn't going to be any harm to Microsoft, and it's going to be uh, a value to us to have him spend uh, more time uh, on foundation matters. I want to ask you a question about it, it clearly is a signal of what's important to your son at this particular point in his life. And that, I, I suspect, um, was a spirit born as you raised him, as you and, and Bill's mother raised him, um, that has grown into now reality. Um, was that the case Do you, in, in your family? Well, uh, uh, Luann, this is a question I'm asked quite often. Uh, I, I would say, frankly, that it was the experience that he and his sisters had uh, growing up with uh, his mother and me was a fairly normal one for a, uh, a kind of a, a garden variety, middle-of-the-road family where, uh, sure, uh, Mary was involved in civic activities, women's activities of one kind or another. So, uh, and I was in uh, bar work and... Uh, you were involved in education within the uh, community? Yes, and yes, that, that's right. So it just rubbed off, probably. Right, so they're, they're, you know, they had, they had some examples, uh, and there wasn't a lot of preaching uh, about this kind of thing. Uh, so if that's what learning involves, it wasn't happening, but... Uh, uh, I, I think it is certainly quite deducible that, uh, and, and incidentally, uh, it, what is true of Bill is certainly true uh, at least, and perhaps even more so with his sister. So, I, I think they did uh, they did get the notion that this uh, was a good way to good way to conduct at least a part of your life. Now, at the foundation, correct me if I'm wrong. You, Melinda, and Bill are co-chairs. Is that how it's structured? Yes, we're co-chairs, but that's a little bit confusing. They're, only, they're the two trustees, and that's where the real authority lies. So uh, to think of the three of us as being somehow co-equals is not a, not a fair picture of what the, the truth of the matter is. This is Bill and Melinda, and they make the ultimate decisions. But even so, that trio is an incredibly strong trio. How... Um, what area of areas of interest do you have that you think influence their decisions? Well, actually, uh, the, the area in which I am most involved is the very smallest part of our program, which is the local good citizen uh, grant making uh, and participation in civic activities. Uh, uh, and I, I do en enjoy that a lot. That, uh, and that's a place where I do... I am particularly active, uh, and but to some extent we all participate a little in the in, in the more major things that we're doing too. And I'm pleased to be able to 
have a small role in those things as well. Now, I want you to tell me the story, although it's known. I want you to tell us the story about when your son made the gift in your name to the scholarship program at the oh. University <laughs> of Washington School of Law. Tell me, tell me how that happened. Well, uh, you know, just <laughs> just something that uh, I judge he and Melinda worked up. They decided they want to do something to uh, recognize the fact that uh, I was uh, becoming 80 years old. And, of course, they were well aware of the uh, interest I have in the practice of law and the interest I have in public interest. And... Uh, there are some precedents around the country, as you may know, for scholarships for law students uh, based on the idea of, of their doing public interest work when they graduate from law school. And they, they, liked, they liked that model and decided that they would just establish a program of that kind in my honor uh, at the University of Washington Law School. And needless to say, I was, I was very surprised and uh, enormously touched and enormously pleased when uh, they uh, told me <laughs> that that was going to happen. It was, it was a big Wonderful day. way to celebrate a well, birthday, a, It was certainly. a great way to celebrate a birthday. Um, I want to change gears a little bit and talk about you. Um, our audience should know that you graduated from the University of Washington undergraduate in law school. You were in the Army in World War II. You were founding partner of the firm Preston Gates & Ellis. You were the president of the Seattle and King County Bar Association, as well as the Washington State Bar Association. And you have been in the forefront of education within your community. You raised three children, Christy, Bill, and Libby. My question for you, Mr. Gates, is why did you want to be a lawyer? Well, uh, there's nothing very uh, unique or special about the answer to that. I mean. People decide to go to law school and, and try out the idea of being a lawyer if they if they get a kick out of argument, if they seem to have some skills that, that uh, uh, the mental processes involved in, in uh, uh, debate, the collision of ideas, uh, and, uh, you know, some concern for public policy, some concern for uh, a world in which people can live together and relate and disagree because there's a system that works and a, and a, a, a sense of the value of that system. Uh, and I've really said more than is, is applicable. The truth of the matter is that it gets down to the simple question of, well, now I've got to make a living. How? <laughs> what? what seems like a good possibility, and just because of the experiences and personality, it seemed like law school might be a fit. How did the, um, how did the firm get started? Well, uh, as with all of these, <laughs> these uh, uh, developments, they, they are, uh, there are several chapters involved. Uh, when I started practicing law in Seattle in 1952, uh, I was with a, a small firm and went from that to another small firm. That firm grew. Uh, there were some other mergers with some small firms until it got to be 
oh, I don't know, 50 or 60 lawyers, something of that kind. And uh, we, had, uh, we had a very good clientele. And to some extent, we, we felt that our, our clientele had really outgrown us, that there were, they had big problems where they needed a diversity of expertise and that sort of thing. And uh, in, you know, as a response to that, line of reasoning and thinking we we talked to some other people in town and there was an, an existing firm which was about twice as big as our firm which was the the Preston firm and uh, we merged uh, with that firm to create what is now Preston Gates and Ellis uh, and that that's been a, a very gratifying and successful thing it did accomplish exactly what we were concerned about which was to bring to bear on the problems of some very substantial clients, uh, uh, a wider range of expertise and diversity, and uh, it, it's it's been a very good thing, and the firm has prospered. A great percentage of our audience on Legal Talk Network is, is lawyers nationwide. Yeah. Can you share with us maybe a very memorable case during your practice? <clears throat> Well, I'm going to tell you about one I won. <laughs> Spoken like a lawyer. <laughs> this will not cover the whole waterfront. I'm sure you'll appreciate. Well, I, you know, it, it actually it's uh, the the case I I like to talk about in the, this the context is uh, uh, pretty garden variety kind of a lawsuit. There was a a very large charitable trust which had been uh, created by a lawyer uh, in, a, in a client's will. And uh, uh, among other things, the lawyer uh, named himself as trustee, I'm sure with the client's approval, of course. And as the trust got going, uh, uh, the beneficiaries, who were most of the, several of the major charities in town, uh, became upset about the, the lawyer's practices and particularly his billings. And, uh, ultimately, uh, the, on behalf of the beneficiaries, we had to start a lawsuit against the trustee, and uh, uh, ended up that uh, he was he was discharged, and a, a different trust arrangement was made, and uh, the thing has been going along very well since. But it was a it was a it was a significant thing, and it was a very very important thing for the. For the several charities involved, so it was uh, it was a very gratifying experience. Interesting. Now, um, do you th what do you think of the practice of law as it's changed, as it's developed today, from the time before you retired? Well, honestly, you can count on that. Uh, you know, I, I'm going to come off as old-fashioned, uh, and, and on this subject, I am old-fashioned. You know, I, uh, I, you know, part of it is just the size of the bar uh, in a city like Seattle where it, it's, it's grown uh, so large, I don't know, probably 3,000 or maybe, I'm probably low on that, uh, different lawyers in the bar. And when I first started practicing, it would have been numbered at, uh, I don't know, Thousand, eleven hundred, something of that kind, and the the sense of collegiality and the sense of responsibility for the 
uh, for the justice system, I think, was uh, much more acute uh, in those days than is than is true now. It uh, it it is unfortunately true that it has come. It's it's moved in the direction of a way to make a living, uh, and uh, somewhat away from the sense of its uh, being a profession and a, even a public calling. Uh, you know, I. Uh, I'm not uh, <clears throat> I'm not in remorse over that, but I uh, I'm glad I practiced law when I did, and uh, and I'm uh, not particularly unhappy to be out of it uh, now because I think that the the atmosphere uh, of the practice has uh, has uh, has lost a lot of the a lot of the very elegant flavor that it has when the elef when the emphasis was on its being a profession and the obligations that lawyers had to the to the system of justice and to uh, and to being participants in uh, in the way the court system worked and the way uh, the way laws were passed that sort of thing was something that the bar took some responsibility for and very much less so today so I I I don't think the profession has the elegance that it had 40 years ago. We'll be right back with more of this Legal Talk Network special interview with Bill Gates Sr. Stay right there. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. If you would like more information about Bill Gates Sr. and the Gates Foundation, visit the website at www.gatesfoundation.org. And for more information about the William H. Gates Scholarship Program at UW's Law School, go to www.law.washington.edu slash Gates Scholar. You're listening to The Legal Talk Network. Back to our one-on-one -on -one interview, a conversation with Bill Gates Sr., in terms of public service, I know this is very dear to your heart in, in, on many levels. Um, do you think it's more difficult today for people in any profession to commit to public service? Uh, yes, I, I think that the, the you know the facts on that, at least for as far as the legal profession is concerned, are pretty clear that uh, um, there is uh, less emphasis on uh, lawyers in firms or lawyers anywhere uh, being participants uh, in the in general civic work or in the work of the bar uh, than was true you know some years ago uh, and I think a lot of that is the uh, is the pressure for uh, earning money uh, uh, it's very competitive, of course, uh, perhaps more so uh, than it was when I was practicing, and the need for lawyers to, you know, to bill 2,500 hours and that sort of thing has uh, seriously diminished the uh, inclination of uh, young folks coming into that kind of a work atmosphere to take the time to do specific work, to do things in the public interest that... Uh, 
was more regularly true, uh, again, 40 or 50 years ago. Which brings us to the point of the scholarship in your name at the law school, does it not? Uh, yes, it does, <laughs> as a matter of fact. It does precisely. So that promotes um, young people coming out of law school to have committed to that post-graduation uh, five years. That's, that's they correct. They to public service. And it, it uh, you know, and they're... You know, it's it's a little stiff. They're going to be uh, they're going to be required to to spend five years in the public interest work, and that can vary in in different ways, can it not? It can yeah, it's very broad. Legal aid or public defender or yes, yes. It that the definitions are, are very liberal, which it's the only way you can do it. But uh, I'm looking forward, of course, to seeing it in operation. It's not the only thing of its kind, as. Many of your audience will know there are models for it, particularly at uh, New York University, the Root Tilden Scholarships. I don't think there's one that, that pays the full boat, though, is there? Uh, I'm not sure there is. No, I, I, uh, no, I, I don't. This, this, this is a very generous scholarship. Very much so. And I was reading about the first five scholars recipients yes. chosen this year. Um, if I might like to read a little bit about what I read about them. Four of the five are women. I applaud you for it? that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I must applaud yeah. you for that. Um, Emily Alvardo from Brooklyn, New York. Vanessa Torres Hernandez, a native of Guam. Ilana Mantel, who grew up in Toronto. Colleen Melody from Washington State, your home state. And Michael Peters, who grew up in Oregon. They all have incredible strengths, too many to mention, even at their young age now, going to law school. What would you like to say about them as recipients? Well, uh, you know, I, 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 it might not be obvious that I, I've not met any of them as yet. They were, you know, interviewed and selected in a different process than, uh, than where I'm involved. But, you know, I, I have, as apparently you have, Luann, I've, I've uh, read their resumes and their statements, and uh, you know they're uh, they're wonderful. I mean, they're just exactly what the idea was. Uh, their uh, their accomplishments to date, and their uh, vision for what uh, what they want to do in the world is uh, very exhilarating. Um, public service, let's talk a little bit about that. I, I, I see an analogy, and you could tell me if it's true or not, between your choice um, in the legal field and your work at the foundation. Do you feel that that's a similar motivation for you personally to devote your time to public service? Uh, sure, uh, it is. Uh, <laughs> the general sense of doing public interest work is that you're either doing it on your own time or you're doing it at something less than normal compensation. Now, that doesn't happen to describe my situation at the foundation. I'm paid uh, for the work that I do here uh, very adequately. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, you know, in terms of what gets you up in the morning and keeps you going during the day is, uh, to a large extent, a function of the, of the pleasure you find in what you're doing. And uh, uh, my, this, this, the situation working here at the foundation is, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, so encouraging. It's, you know, it's, it's the things that are happening 
almost on a daily basis are very, very gratifying. You, you, so you, you, you feel like you are contributing to something kind of special. Now, um, some people have said that, that some of the areas that of interest to the foundation are uh, maybe too optimistic in terms of solving global problems. What would you say to that? Well, uh, I, I, I start off, it's true uh, that there are some things that we've set the goal to do which we will not accomplish. Uh, uh, and, and maybe because they're impossible to accomplish. I mean, it, and we like to say with great confidence that we're going to find a vaccine for AIDS, but we're a long way from that. And uh, so it's a, it's a very optimistic uh, prediction. And, and, you know, there's a huge spectrum here. There are other things that uh, just in the short life of the foundation we've already uh, managed to do, which are uh, unquestionably going to have some very, very significant effects on the n number of people who live rather than die prematurely, to, to, to talk the basic fact of human welfare. So, uh, I, I, you know, there isn't a whole lot to say about that except yes. Uh, uh, the thing about it is that you know, given our resources, uh, it seems to me, and I can't imagine that others wouldn't agree, that the right thing for us to do is to, um, is to think big and uh, optimistically, aggressively, uh, because that's what, it seems to me, that's what charitable money is for. And, you know, we can, at no cost to any uh taxpayer or shareholder, uh, we can spend a lot of money on a project and have it go kaflui, and uh, so be it. Uh, that's, uh, it seemed to me that's just a, a regular part of what a private foundation is, uh, lives to do. You don't, I mean, you don't look for opportunities to, to blow one, but uh, it, uh, you know, we have enough things going on that there isn't any, as I've already acknowledged, that there's, there's really no doubt there's going to be some things we're going to try to do that aren't going to work. Um, I'd like to touch on a topic that um, your son has made a, a, a life of, talk about technology. Uh, clearly played a role in your son's life growing up, and now, you know, he's he's the technology guy in the in the world, and um, can can you share with us how that came about? Was that your influence? Because I know that you're very involved in, you know, computers in the schools and in technology as a tool to help solve some of the these problems. How, how did all this come about here in Seattle? Well, uh, <clears throat> you know, it. It, it seems to me it very likely comes under the category of a, an amazing fortuity. Uh, uh, it didn't certainly isn't anything that he got in any genes from his mother or me. Uh, it, the, we don't. We were nothing technological about us. Uh, he happened to go to a school where there was this uh, program there for uh, the young people to. Uh, play around with really on the side of the you know in the very early days of computers the 
mother's club bought this computer and donated it to the school and it was it was catching and you know we see that today that uh, how sort of enthralled kids can get with computers and that that line of technology and that happened to Bill just you know 20 or 25 years before it happened to to the rest of the world and uh, it, it just it grew from that uh, there isn't any doubt about it he was uh, he, he and some of his friends were exposed to that world and they were uh, they became and when they really became addicted to it it was uh, it was something that uh, really preoccupied their lives they were so excited about the the fun of it uh, and the sense of the prospects they could see for its uh, aggrandizement were, you know, they were smart. They saw that, all those things, and they were really completely hooked on it. Well, it's pretty significant, though, even um, after great success like that, to turn it toward great success, the point being for the foundation and to help other people with problems through technology. Uh, there are a lot of folks that, that make it in the world that, it never crosses their mind. That's true. As a matter of fact, it is kind of a of a serendipitous that <clears throat> being involved, as it turns out, we are in this in the health effort. The enormous contribution that te technology has made to the advancement of uh, health initiatives to the well, it, I, I think you know, this is something I don't understand, but I know about it that. Things like the human genome analysis and all the sort of things that uh, people involved in that would tell you they couldn't possibly do or couldn't possibly have done 30 years ago in the absence of the kind of power that technology brings to their laboratories today. So there's, there's great synergy here between the health efforts and, uh, and the work of uh, the technological world. So it's, it's, a, it's kind of a nice uh, intersection. Well, in, in the business that we're in, which is communication, it's very helpful to be able to communicate globally. Otherwise, yes, um, sure. there will be many people who would not have been able to have the good fortune to hear you speak, uh, except for the fact that this will be on the Internet. I have one final question. Um, if you could give a message to entering law students, what would it be? in terms of public service? Uh, it would be f for them to take their profession seriously as a profession and never to forget that they're not just making a living, they're involved in the work of a profession. Well said. Thank you, Mr. Gates. You're wonderful. Thank you. Thank you very much. Not at all. Thanks for listening to this Legal Talk Network special a conversation with Bill Gates Sr. If you want more information about the Gates Foundation, visit www.gatesfoundation.org. We hope you'll listen to some of our other shows on the Legal Talk Network, covering all the important topics in the legal community.